Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Amanda, Amanda Baum. Welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. I'm still looking forward to it, Simon. She's a great lady, um, fellow adoptee. Brilliant, Amanda. Brilliant. So um, we were talking, um, Amanda uh, is uh, at home with a um, uh, with a daughter and a she was like, like three minutes late to the Zoom and she came on saying, mm. um, I'm, uh, you know, sorry, da, 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 sorry, I'm late. I, I'm being fashionably late. And I said, you know, forget about it. It's three minutes. What sort of a numpty would I be if I couldn't give you three minutes? And um, and then you shared a story about your, uh, from your, your, your dad, your adoptive dad, about how he made you see the importance of uh, puncture, being punctual. Do you want to share that with the um, the, the listeners? Oh, sure, sure. Yes. Um, yeah, this is probably when I was 12 or 13, just that young age where you you know everything. And I remember we were we were out in the yard just doing doing summer stuff. And we, we had an event we had to go to that my dad's company was hosting. And he was wanting us to get ready probably about three hours prior and I just and I and I went up to him jokingly and I said dad we can just be fashionably late and he looked at me and he said there's no such thing so then I went ahead and got ready and and it just really like there were and there were different incidences in my life where he would try to instill in me the the importance of being on time and um and he would always say, you know, I would rather be a, a half a minute um, early than a, a half an hour early than a half a minute late. And I always thought, oh, that's that's so silly. <laughs> why not just be why not just be right on time or why not, you know, one minute? Can't. You know, it, 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 he, he really wanted me to learn that. And then one time we were we were talking about such things and he and he said to me, do you know how you can show that you really don't care about somebody? And and I had a very tender heart and I, I believe I still do. And I looked at him and I was like, how? And he said, be late. He's like, it shows you do not value them or their time. And that, and that really struck a chord with me because I feel like before I was just a uh, dad, just giving lectures and okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really, it really, like, as you say, that's when the penny dropped for me. That's when it just resonated in all of me. And I was deeply convicted. I feel in a good way because it really opened my mind up to, yeah, I shouldn't be late. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was never like insanely late, but it just, it, I was, I'm so thankful that he, he kept persisting to, to bring that lesson until, until it did flick. And, and I'm glad it did. Yeah, and I I thought that was a great a, a great story because the thriving adoptees podcasts it, it is all about um, the moments that uh, that pennies drop. Okay, so it's more all about the insights that uh, the guests have had on their healing journey. I'm trying to. Uh, I, I'm I'm trying to I'm not, I'm not trying to I I am interviewing the guests. Uh, I am interviewing the guests on their insights in the hope that those insights catalyze insights amongst you, the listeners. That that's what I'm trying to do. That is what I'm trying to do. That's yeah. That's my aim. Um, because uh, I believe that insights change our world. Right, so mm -hmm. when the penny drops, when when you used to, if you do, if you use three different words, you said the penny drops. You said it, it, what he said struck a chord with me, um, and and that opened your mind up. So what mm -hmm. we're trying to do on the podcast is open adoptees' minds up, and when we open our minds up, we're more curious. And when we're more curious, we learn more. And when we, you know, when we, and when when we know better, we do better. So, mm -hmm. and, and this all helps us along the healing journey, right? And the reason I say that is because 
those moments of insight uh, are the ones that have changed my life. When I realized I was totally, utterly, a thousand percent wrong about the fact that my birth mother didn't love me enough to keep me, right? So when I saw that was totally untrue, that was a big uh, leap on my uh, learning curve. Oh, that, wow. That yeah. Big, big step on, on my learning curve. And it's the, it's the step that uh, makes, that's the, the, it, that's, that's the easiest for the listener to, 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 to grasp or anybody I'm having a conversation with to, to grasp because that's that's uh, you know the one of the fundamental challenges we have as adoptees we think that we're mm-hmm. unloved we think that we're unlovable so um we came up with this idea of uh came up with this idea of interviewing um Amanda about her most uh, significant penny dropping moments on her healing journey yes yes um that yeah for sure and um uh i can provide one or would you like or do you have yeah yeah sure yeah so what is one comes does one come to mind yes i mean I, i was thinking about like when i first i mean this is I feel like for for healing, realization has to come for healing, at least for me, right? Like by by that I mean, uh, my first penny drop was when I was first told I was adopted, and that was when I was oh, I had to have been four or five, somewhere around that age, and I can still picture it. Like like that's how much of an in that that's how much that time and space stood still for that moment like I can picture my little self and I was with my we were living in Utah and I was with my best friend and her older sister and we were just playing and and she suddenly looked at me excuse me she suddenly looked at me and said do you know you're adopted and I was like I was taken back um so I'm a transracial adoptee so I don't look like my adoptive family so I mean I knew something was different but I just I had never I had never put it together as I didn't belong I just looked different right I never I never once considered I wasn't part of the family Uh, I mean I was but I mean I never considered that I wasn't genetically theirs I don't think I had that capability right and so for me, I, that's when like everything stood still for a second. And I, I was like, what does that mean? And she said, it means that your mom and dad aren't your real mom and dad. And I said, oh, so then I promptly went home and it didn't upset me as much as it just like, it was just like if somebody told me the moon was really ricotta cheese, it just sort of like, what? And so I went home and I asked my mom and I said, hey, am I really your daughter? And she said, what makes you ask that? And I said, well, Becky said that I'm not, that I'm adopted. And I, I at, at that time, I, I don't believe, I think she gave me the answer I thought I could handle, or maybe she didn't know. It was kind of on the fly for her too. So I, so she said, you know, and, and I said that you're not my real mom and dad. And so she simply said, we are your real mom and dad. And then I just accepted it and, and moved forward. And I didn't think about it again until I think a couple years later. And I don't remember that incident as well, but similar incident happened. And I asked her again. And then she said, well, yes, you know, you're, we, we, we adopted you, but we, we, but that doesn't mean we're not your real parents. So then I just, I tucked it away for a very long time then. But so I would say for me, that was the first real penny drop. It just sort of shifted everything. But I was so young 
I didn't really understand what what was being shifted. Yeah. So so that was um so sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. I mean this is real life. Uh <laughs> I know, uh, right? Uh, uh, Amanda's got daughters uh <clears throat> keen to get in on the show. Um <laughs> the there is a there's a distinction there that I wanted to 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 draw you uh, to and just ask you about because sure. so you you um so you did you say that you felt different but you were still part of the family is that why you felt yeah like I I felt different and and that I mean I could see I didn't look like any of my family my my adoptive family is german and scotch irish maybe swiss by ancestry right so very fair chestnut brown hair you know and i am i am tan and have black hair so i feel like i could tell there was a difference but i didn't really think too much of it kind of like and brown eyes and blue eyes right you don't necessarily like oh my gosh you have brown eyes at least i did you know like for me it's like it was it, it's like I noticed it but it didn't really yeah. I didn't feel alone in it right because I I had a we had a lot of family there so I was always with with family so so was was it more about seeing a difference than feeling a difference then or is is that too is that too long you know so it's a mm. while ago now is that am I being too pedantic or I'm asking you to to no not not at all um I think there's a lot of big, like, at least for me, there was a lot of big things I didn't understand. And so I was, I was the type that I just buried it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so like skin color was one thing where, you know, I, I knew, I knew I looked different, but I didn't, I didn't choose to dive down more. Cause to me, it just, I, I don't, I don't think I wanted to know to some degree. Right. Cause all you do is you want to fit in um, or at least all I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and also, uh, they had a they got they got pregnant with a little girl while in the process of adopting me. So, I mean, I realized also she also looked similar to them. So I was, I I, I knew I knew I was different, but I I didn't want it to to be something that I. I'm trying to think because I was very young, so I don't know that I had such complex thoughts as much as no, no. I was just different. But I, I just, I just, I was, I was accepting it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you, you know, you bang on. Um, uh, you, you bang mm -hmm. on the, the the money. You, you know, when you said you, um, you didn't have such complex thoughts. Um, I've, I think it was a transracial adoptee called Lucy Sheen who's told this to me. She's, um, um. Of you know age Asian origin um Hong Kong or China Chinese kind of, I, sh I should be able to remember but I, I can't but she was raised in in the in in the UK in the uh, south oh. of India. and I think it was her that said that she um she she felt different she mm -hmm. felt different um she could see that she looked different and she was treated differently as well by others by by <clears throat> by people outside the family so ah. this so those mm -hmm. two those three things kind of became a um it, three three layers of of, of difference see yeah mm -hmm. three layers of difference so instead of just one layer of difference as like maybe a a, 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 a white guy like me a white guy adopted by white parents right so mm -hmm. we kind of feel different but we haven't got the evidence so the the, ah. the, the, the evidence grew the as lucy explained it the evidence grew for her um mm -hmm. and, and obviously that leads to you know the the, the difference becomes it can kind of spiral into alienation you know like it, it it, it grows difference grows because our minds all our minds um kind of latch onto things and they mm -hmm. become like that they, they become like um what well the, the way i've heard this expressed is what the thinker thinks the prover proves so if if we've got an inkling 
of something. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, right, let's use it. Sometimes it's easier with the trivial, trivial example, right? So I got an I got an inkling at twelve that I wasn't very good at at, at, at woodwork, right? And mm -hmm. uh, and that inkling grew, and I didn't have the patience to stick. I didn't have the patience to stick with woodwork, and now I'm totally rubbish at DIY, and I've just kind of accepted it. Right, so see, see, see. but it, it's, mm -hmm. it's often easier to express these things. I think with trivial, trivial matters, but it, it, it grows. Um, so that's why I was asking you. Um, but it doesn't sound like because every experience is different. Uh, you know, every mm -hmm. person is different. Every adoptee is different. Every transracial adoptee is is different. And it, to me, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound that the 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 difference lens. It sounds like Lucy's difference lens was a little bit stronger than I, your, your lens. You know, we were, we both wearing glasses, mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, like um, so. If my my glasses, my my prescription is now now two. It was one and a half. Um, mm -hmm. So it sounds like you know uh, Lucy's uh, Lucy's difference lens was maybe a three, and yours was more like a one and a half. You know, it's yeah. I think I think um, definitely when I was younger, it it was that because I had um, they I'd gone to a small Christian school which was um, K through twelve, and there were maybe fifteen kids at the most, and so we were all very tight knit, and so nobody said anything to me, right? Um, where 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 my so I went basically, let's say one, one and a half, because I also pretty much only spent time with family. We had a lot of family there and a lot of cousins and, and it was very uh, insulated, right? Like I didn't, I didn't think twice, but then when we moved from Utah to Pennsylvania near Philadelphia, which is a, a big, pretty big pop populated area, it wasn't in Philadelphia, but it was a suburb. Um, I think that's when I went from one and a half to like five. <laughs> and so I, I don't know that that's that was definitely not easy um, because I feel uh, for me at least I do wish my parents had had the conversation like that people I feel like yes it's good to love your child of course but I do think that love is love itself is also preparing them for a world that will see them differently so that they're not surprised. And I think that's what happened to me. And, and maybe it was there, maybe they didn't see it. Maybe they thought the world saw them like they saw me, you know, I mean, I don't think it was malicious or anything, but I, I wasn't prepared to be seen as not white, <laughs> even though I didn't, I didn't consciously think of myself as white, but I, like a belonging to a group, right? To a specific group, let's say white Caucasian, that group. And so then when we moved to Philadelphia, I was very much made aware I was not in that group. Not, I don't, and I think the kids, they weren't really mean as much as they just didn't like, like little things were hard. Like, so the penny, another penny drop was like when my adoptive mom would come to, um, when she would come to like a, a meet, uh, parents can come in and watch their kids in class, right? They sit along the edges and just get to see you. And I remember being terribly embarrassed when she would come. It wasn't her fault, but but I didn't know how to explain. Like I had some, I'd figured out that I should, I should look more like them than I do. And I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't fix it, right? I couldn't make myself look more like them. And so it, I feel like that was another penny dropping is that there's, it's nothing I can do about this. Right. I just, and so I felt, I felt bad because I'm pretty sure it did hurt her feelings because I would act like I didn't know her, but it wasn't that I didn't love her. It was, I just, I had no idea how to explain such a complex situation. Yeah. So, so was this, was, was this, uh, frustrating? Was this upsetting? What 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 was as this um, as this feeling of difference 
um, or the, the difference goggles, the difference lenses as that was growing. How, how was that? Was, were you struggling with that? Or? I, I, I believe I was, I didn't, I didn't realize that that's because adoption was not talked about. I mean, even though it was obvious, um, we just never talked about it in the house. So I do think it was, um, I think it was internally, but I, I was like, uh, you know, the survival skills that they talk about. I think I was very much a, a berry, a freeze and berry. Like I just, I just would not go there. Um, I was talking to a friend once and I said, when I think of my inner child, I think of like, if you imagine like a, uh, just layers and layers of ice, right. And you see a little dot at the bottom and that little dot is that little girl, you know, and I've just, I've just, uh, resurrected all these layers so that I so that I can keep her safe and I don't have to think about it I don't have to go there and so I think so I think it was it it was hard but it wasn't hard in the same time right like because I wasn't dealing with it so I think it made it seem like it made it seem like I was very resilient and or adapting beautifully when in reality I just had all these uncertainties and I can see where they they played out in in behavior patterns not you know and like when I've read books about people kids who who um, endure trauma a lot of those things I'm like oh look at that <laughs> you know but I did but I didn't I didn't really deal with it I I've often thought people say kids are so resilient. And my my thought on that is resilient kids can, not always, but can make very broken adults. You know, because we di we didn't deal with it. We just we just kept it we just kept uh we 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 paddled enough without sinking, but we never actually just soared and built a boat and sailed across that water. Um this is just my opinion by the way. Yeah. Yeah, well, all all, all opinions. Um, that's what the show's about. Opinions, um, you know. I'm, yeah. As I say, I'm not a shrink, and um, <laughs> most of the guests aren't shrinks either. Uh, they, we have the occasional shrink. Um, so was the that answered? Sorry, yeah. Um, was there oh. when when the, the 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 layers of ice cracked open? You know, honestly, I would, and it, there are moments when it cracked open and then there, there, there's that pivotal moment where I realized that that was what it was. Does that make sense? Um, like I can look at different times where it cracked, but I, I had buried it so deep. I didn't recognize it for what it was. Um, so that could be looking at behaviors of, um, Dr dropping friendships when I thought maybe it wasn't going to work out like like just trying to 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 drop somebody before they drop me if that makes sense um and I would say those are the ones that those are the ones that were not conscious like I didn't realize I didn't see that but the moment um and another moment that was unconscious was when my daughter was born, um, which is very recent, right? That's within the last four years. And and I heard a lot of adoptees say that, oh, when my when I had my first child, that was my first experience with genetic mirroring and et cetera, et cetera. I felt whole. For me, it was the opposite. And I think that's because I never dealt with anything, right? So it just suddenly... Um, it just suddenly just really was quite frightening for me. And I, and I love my daughter dearly and I take, I believe wonderful care with her, but care for her, but it was, it was hard. And so I don't, but, but the, to answer your question fully, the first for me conscious one was actually my birthday. That was last this past October. And it was the first time because a lot of adoptees have said birthdays are hard for them. They've never been hard for me, you know, except for, the last time and I literally consciously thought to myself huh I wonder where I was this time when I was born 
it was amazing. I'd never, never let my mind go there ever. And it was just, I don't know if it's from being around a, I don't know if it's from being around adoptees or if it's from doing some reading or the great friends that I've made, but I was thankful that it was a curious thought for me. It wasn't, it wasn't something that made me fearful or angry. I was just genuinely like, huh, I wasn't with, you know, my, my parents, well, my adoptive parents at this moment, where was I, where was I the past 18 months? You know, and it really, I, so I think that's the moment that it really, everything kind of clicked. So that, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> so the the pivotal, was the pivotal moment the, the birth of your daughter or was it another one, another moment? No, I think it was, I think it was, I think, well, I think the pivotal moment was that's a good question, right? Because I think that the the birth of my daughter was so earth shaking, but I still didn't quite connect it. But then my birthday when it's like, am I? It's when I started re. Whether I realized it or not, whether it was subconscious, I I, I started to heal from the bifurcation that had happened so young from the splitting, right? I suddenly started wondering, oh, there's that other part of me. I wonder where I was, right? I'm starting to become whole again, like, and not having to shut out that part. But now I want to be curious about it. So, so yeah. So what? What's um? What's been? So we're recording this in in February, listeners. Um, and you said the birthday was October, so it's only like five months mm-hmm. away. So five months um, previously. So what's been going on for you since since then, Amanda? Um, I mean, I I will confess that since I do have a young one, I'm not. Um, I have done the ancestry DNA and all that, and I've only found fairly distant cousins, and I'm. I'm very much aware there are ways you can dig deeper, but I do have I do have a bit of residency hesitancy about that. Just I don't necessarily want to shake my foundation too much while I have a daughter that's so young. I want to I want to be able to be fully present and not because I have heard for some people, not for everybody, but for some people, reunion can be quite challenging and you know um, emotionally exhausting. And so I'll, for better or worse right now, my, my choice is to, to, to recognize it, to sit beside it, but I'm not going to dig deeper probably till she's in school, which is another couple of years. Yeah. And yeah. And I think maybe make peace. Like, I don't know if my adoptive parents are, are my biological parents are alive or not. Um, and, and, and so I guess we'll just see what happens when I do that. But I, I do think I'm I'm working on reintegrating in a way. I, I, thought, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I used to have a very hard relationship with Mexican <laughs> Mexican restaurants because they would always go there saying, this is your heritage. But I would just be like, because ah. all, all, like, all I wanted was to fit in, right? I wanted to be a... Um, uh typical american uh whatever that means that's what i wanted and but now i'm going and i'm i'm feeling like you know what this is my culture this is my heritage because it's a weird thing simon to feel like you're culturally appropriating your own culture and that's kind of like how i felt because i wasn't raised in this culture but but my ancestry is in it and it is okay for me to be curious and it's equally okay for me to like, okay, so in America, a lot of, um, I don't know why, but one stereotype is that, I hate to say word white, but everybody says that word, white, white women like pumpkin spice lattes, you know, it's a, for whatever reason, it's been a thing and Ugg boots and, and I happen to like those things. Um, and so it's like making peace with, with these bits of myself, like, for me to answer your question completely, I feel like for me, it's, it's, I'm, I'm learning to be comfortable in that third space in that third space. That's me because I, I'm no longer, uh, indigenous Mexican 
who has the culture who 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 who's been raised in it who's who's been who's come from a, a intact family but i i but i feel like i'm no longer just adopted amanda i'm not i'm somehow now i'm uh, a third per, a third space and which i'm quite eager to discover and and really not fight against things like i feel like i would always it's a big thing to fight against yourself, I think. And by that, I mean to fight against our curiosities, like to fight against when somebody would want to speak Spanish to me and I'd be like, oh, no, I don't speak Spanish, which I really didn't. But I also like it hit me to the core with guilt and shame that I didn't, even though I. I didn't, well, I, you know, instead of just accepting, hey, you know, I, I didn't learn it because I wasn't in a place where I, where I could learn it. And now, and now I feel, feel like I am now I'm, I'm, I'm curious to learn it and try to find friends who speak Spanish and be able to engage in that. Like, I'm, I feel like, like we said earlier, like a curiosity, I, I'm, I'm freeing myself to be curious that to be to be curious about my genetic roots does not in any way compromise how I was raised. I mean, and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, it, it, ups and downs. Right. So, but I can, I can still like the things that I have experienced and come to enjoy while being in America. Yeah. You talked about guilt and, and guilt and, and, and shame. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 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 not getting a big read that this has been huge for you. I'm, but is that is it is it something that's kind of like that's water under the bridge now, or was it was there a lot of pain around around the your guilt and shame, or was it just kind of? Yeah, there was there was there's moments of it, right, for me, like that, like the moment of when my adopted mom and, and you know our relationship was rocky I mean that's a whole nother story but um but I did feel shame that I didn't I knew all she wanted was for me to see her as her mom and and I did but I just didn't know how to deal with everybody else not understanding it you know like and so I felt guilt and shame over that I felt guilty that shame that I didn't know how to explain it to people I felt shame that I should even have to explain it to people. It's like when you're a transracial adopter, you have nowhere to hide for the most part. I mean, you know, like a, a cashier could ask you, you know, there is no passing, like yeah. passing that, you know, they, I just don't happen to look like them. Um, so things like that or things like, um, this is going to sound silly, but for me it was when I was younger and dating people, one of the things they would say is, oh, I, I love your skin. It's so, it's such a beautiful shade of tan or brown or whatever. And I would, I would get mad like inside because, because that means they saw, they saw me as different, right? In, in my mind, in my mind, that's what I'm telling myself. I'm, I'm again, othered when in reality, they just, they were giving me a compliment, but I couldn't take it. You know, I didn't know how to take it because you know what, Simon, taking it would mean accepting myself. And I wasn't, I was not accepting myself. Yeah. You know? So was there a pivotal moment when the penny dropped and you did accept yourself? Oh, that's, I think that one is a work in progress. Um, okay. <laughs> I think, um, I think I'm trying, I'm trying to accept myself because at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I look how I look and, um, but I, 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 I think it's just like, yeah. So I don't, I don't think I have completely, but I'm trying. Okay. You, know? you, you heard me say that. I don't know if you've heard me say this, this, this idea that we're, um, We're not human beings having an a, a, a spiritual experience. We're one spiritual being having eight billion 
mm-hmm. different human I re- experiences. Yes, I really like that. I really like that expression. It, it is, um, isn't, but is, isn't that denying all color and racial differences? I can see what you're saying, right? Like, because in some way it's, this is why I sometimes feel like it's a zero, like this is where for me trust trust comes into play because to some degree there is no right answer. Like if somebody says, for me, at least in my opinion, right? For my experience, like if somebody said, as I am right now, oh, I love your beautiful tan skin. Part of me would sort of cringe and be like, oh, I've been othered again. Pardon me, but at the same time, if they said, well, you're beautiful, but if you were just a little lighter, that would be better. That would be just as bad, right? So so it's sort of like, if you notice or if you don't, or I don't see color. I, and I think, I think I, I do understand that, that sentiment, like, because I could say that for some, to some degree, for, to some degree, I don't, like, I may notice it, but I don't put, I try not to put any stock in it, right, at the same time, but at the same time, because of, depending on where one lives, it can make a very big difference on how you're treated. Um, that was one thing I wish my adoptive parents had told me, right, and, and that people will treat, cats, not all, I have, I've had, far more positive for me I've had far more positive experiences than negative in that regard um but I I feel like some people just like everybody's different some people can't help but notice it and some people don't notice it at all um or 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 for them it does they don't put any weight on it it's like okay she has tan skin so what 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 does she like what what does she like your personality what does she you know they want to know deeper um yeah. And so I think maybe that's that's just part of the human experience, right? Because, um, yeah, yeah. Let, let, I mean, I, I before we started uh, recording, um, we were talking about you know what other people say to us, and um, you know, and, and and this idea that I learned from my. Uh, a coach of mine this this week that if we're up if we're upset by what somebody else says it it, mm-hmm. it can be that um if well it can be that there's a part of us that believes that too or mm-hmm. it can be a, it, 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 so it can be a it, it can be a, a, a conscious agreement um or it can be something that we are totally unconscious of. Um, and those are really only the, 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 the t- two options. If we just think, well, the guy's an idiot, mm-hmm. then we ignore the comment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't really know where I'm going with this. Um, let let me just shift it round, and because as a, a as a white guy, um, adopted by white parents, I don't have the lived experience of this, but I can oh. I, I, I can I can talk about my reaction to what other people say and what I found really useful, mm-hmm. um, and. So what I'm picking what I have picked up in in lots of conversations with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with people on your side of the pond is that Americans seem to be a little bit more intrusive than Brits a little bit more intrusive mm-hmm. like not not just about racial issues but generally speaking just a little bit more yeah, asking questions that may be not particularly appropriate, wouldn't be deemed appropriate here in the UK. Um, but w- w- one of the biggest things, I, I did a lot of work in, in elementary schools, and mm. what the, 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 the what helped kids 
the most with dealing with bullies was for them to realize that um the 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 although the bullies make it about us it's really about what's going on for them so mm-hmm. that their their behavior comes from their feelings and thoughts and our feelings come from our thoughts so it's an it's an inside it's an inside job mm-hmm. it, it they only <clears throat> come feelings only feelings come uh, from us not 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 to us so mm-hmm. it's all about you know like when when so when i got when i got badly bullied at um at scout camp I used uh, so I wasn't. I'm not the most. I'm, I'm, I talked to you about earlier on about being not being very good at DIY, right? So I'm not the most practical mm-hmm. guy. Right? So when I made a mistake, the guy, um, uh, the the 14 year old boy that was in charge of our tent, made me kneel on the ground and say, "I am a worthless piece of effing <gasps> sh1t." Oh gosh. Yeah. So. I, that was about what's going on for him. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was 10 and nobody had told me that. Nobody had told ah. me that. It was about what's going on for him. So I took it to heart. And w- mm-hmm. when, when, when I explained to these, to these kids, uh, that, you know, the, these kids in elementary schools, that our feelings only ever come from our thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, and whilst bullies make it about us, it's really about what's going on for them. That kind of like that transformed their, their a lot of their lives. They they moved into that place where you know you give me give me a get me in front of a class of 30, 30 kids for forty minutes, and a, a third of them will play some will will play some silly silly games about feelings coming from thoughts like juice comes from fruit we'll play some silly games and but they will realize that the penny will drop for them that mm-hmm. their feelings only ever come from their thoughts and uh, and 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 uh, you know our our thoughts drive our feelings and our feelings drive our behavior whether that's us or the bully so what's going on for the bully is they something's going wrong for them internally mm-hmm. um so uh, they're expressing that um and i let me give you an example and i, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't call this i wouldn't call this bullying but it was when my um uh, when what was going on for me uh came out as violence to towards somebody else right so mm-hmm. i was on a school trip i'd lost my uh, rucksack, my backpack, as you would call them, um, ah. and um, and uh, so I was late getting onto the bus, right? Because I've been looking for it. So this is the back. We're we're, we're back to punctuality, right? And as it I all leads up, to punctuality. <laughs> uh, as as I walk as I walked on to, uh, up the the side of the uh, up the the middle of the of the coach, um, yeah. this kid, another Simon, um, he he sneered at me about the fact that I've lost my. Uh, I I lost my rucksack, right? And mm. I just punched him. You know, like... my, my my anger led to mm. my behaviour. It, it it wasn't because nobody had told me that feelings are an inside job. Uh, yeah. That... I'm just picturing little you going... <laughs> yeah. and... Like, oh, that's... And and the teacher said, um, just because things are going wrong for you, there's no need to make them go wrong for other people. Mm-hmm. And and that was the end of the, you know, there was no punishment or anything like that because they could see that the guy hadn't been, um, you know, had, had been poking poking the bear, and the bear, the the the, the bear hit hit back. Um, so I don't know what 
that's got to do with um but you know that <laughs> I, I I I I guess to say is that you know that what what's going on these feelings of ours are uh, an inside job and um some things going are some things going on that's not quite right if people for uh, inside the the heads of the people and the hearts of the people that are um yeah that's racist. very true i i remember i remember saying where somebody said what somebody what somebody is thinking is none of your business and I thought that was really interesting, and i I kind of get I kind of get what they were saying in regards to we only have control of ourselves, right? Um, yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could uh, exhaust myself to try to make somebody happy, but I can't. You know, if they're, but there's, I might not be able to accomplish that because it, for them, it's their inside job, right? And and yeah. so. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a hard lesson to learn for for people pleasers. Um, I'm not, I'm not really. I mean, I can have people pleasing moments, but I was more. I don't know. I was just more beat to my own tune, kind of deal. Which it's just good and bad, right? I mean, so with everything, there's a there's a cost. So you you talked about. Um re reintegration is that is, is that the same as uh at, you know like the the ending of guilt and 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 shame is do those two kind of things go together i, I think so right i i think at least for me i think because because i think because those things were keeping me from moving forward that's why i think those two at least from for me are related right um i don't Yes, I can say I didn't handle things the best I could in certain situations as a young child or even as a young adult. But now I feel now that my pennies dropped in, in, a, in a big way, right? Now I can do better. And now, and now I, 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 I see a bigger picture and I can, instead of feeling overwhelmed by let's say poor behavior at a given moment, I can say, yeah, that was, that wasn't the best decision. Let's learn from it and move on versus having it keep me there. Yeah. I, somebody told me on, I don't know if it was on a podcast recording or just another conversation I had with uh, a fellow adoptee said uh, something from Bre uh, Brene Brown saying that the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt is about something is being, feeling bad about something we've done. Um, mm -hmm. And shame is feeling bad about who we are. I could see that. Uh, yeah, uh, I great, like that. It was a great, great distinction. Um, and, you know, like, so uh, we did, uh, I did a, a, a podcast with with a, an, another transracial adoptee, Vin, from Australia, uh, born, um, born in India, of Indian extraction. Uh, uh, mm. And we did a whole, we did a whole um, podcast on, what gets in the way of 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 loving ourselves, uh, loving ourselves, and uh, for me, shame is is the word, um, is the one word that the one yeah, the one feeling that that sums mm -hmm. up uh, not not loving ourselves. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Because if we if we if we can't really love ourselves, then it really, and have compassion, even even more so, have compassion for for ourselves, and how can we have it for other people? And I think that's where it ca it can become hard, right? If you don't, because then you, um, if is to it's stopping being our own internal whipping boy, so to speak. Yeah. You know, stop. You know, say grow. <laughs> So um, in three quarters of an hour, I'm I'm doing a, a a webinar on this on on loving ourselves, right? So that was you are yeah. Ah, did um, you post it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to put a link in. I, I will put a link into uh, 
uh, I will put a link in the show notes to that uh, to the to the replay of that um, of that webinar. Um, is it still open for people who want to go? Uh, or is it? Full? We're, it won't be by now because this we're recording on Friday on this on the Friday the third of February. So this is and it, this isn't live. So it will go. This podcast will go live. I don't know March uh-huh. now, maybe. And but uh, listeners, there'll there'll be a link. You, it, 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 I'll put I'll put two li- links in the show notes as well as all the links to uh, uh, Amanda and and the great work that you're doing at Farside Adoptees, right? Um, because oh yes. uh, yeah, uh, Amanda's one of the key key players in the Fireside Adoptees group. The leaders, one of the leaders. What do you call it? You, a leadership committee, is it? I can't remember what. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I founded Fireside Adoptees, and we have a leadership team, which I'm so I'm so proud of them. We work we work really hard to try to. Um, of course, my dog is barking. Yeah. Um, we work really hard to try to be there for adoptees and be there for each other, right? Um, as a team. Yeah. So, um, what what do you think gets in the way of us loving ourselves? Hmm, that's a good question. I think. What does get in the way? I would, uh, I can speak for me, right? I think yes. for me, what, what gets in the way is, um, hmm, is not accepting the situation as it is, right? Like for me, it was fighting against being adopted. I know that sounds ridiculous to fight against it, but but if if I'm fighting against it, that means I'm not, accepting the situation if i'm not accepting the situation well i am i am the product of the situation meaning i am i am the reason why there is an adopted child in the family so to speak i mean meaning my presence so therefore it's it's rejecting yourself for me for me it was so the sooner i learn to accept myself accept that i had nothing to do with being adopted it wasn't my choice but but just to accept it and say okay what what can I what can I get out of this what can I how can I how can this be a superpower instead of a instead of a broken leg so to speak um I think also you know oh sorry go ahead uh superpower the broken leg I I love the um uh, the clarity of that uh the clarity of that metaphor yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and I think that um yeah, I just I just think that for me a large part of it is is for forgiving myself that I spent so much time thinking I wasn't worthy or wasn't good enough. Forgiving myself forgiving myself for forgiving myself for being so abusive to myself does that make sense yeah like to do that and and then to and then to just move forward just keep even if it's just one step forward two steps back three steps forward one step back you know whatever whatever that journey looks like yeah you know whatever that journey looks like just just being okay and not ex- not not comparing other people's journeys um but and to allow myself i i've been watching a lot of uh youtube videos on uh uh edith ava egger she's a she's a phenomenal psychologist and wrote a couple of books and i thought and and one thing that really struck me is she talks about how we have to we have to allow ourselves to be to be angry at something in order to actually heal from it. And I think that was something that I did that I had a hard time with anger. Like I, I'm really great at being happy, <laughs> or at least I feel like I am. I'm good at being happy and la 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 la. But but when it comes to those more layered emotions, that anger I, I, at a situation, it's hard for me and. And I haven't, I don't know that I've ever really still been angry at adoption. I mean, just angry that I had to be put in that situation. 
but then but then moving on from it right and so i think that's the thing i'm working on too is like it's okay to be to be angry at it but and for me and then also keep moving forward so i'm looking at different ways to free me from me so to speak from from the maladaptive me right and and just embracing healthier healthy ways of being Wow. That's brilliant. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, for the, hey, Abby, sorry. Um, yeah, I would like to add that for, for the adoptees listening, just, you know, you're not, I know it sounds cheesy, but you're not alone. And, and, there are so many adoptive groups, adoptee groups out there that you could reach out to that people um, are in a place where they can, they can help you. They can be there for you. Um, and, and, and I think community is so important. And, it's, but also I, I want adoptees to know, you know, we're all, we're not all the same. So you might encounter adoptees with different experiences and that's okay. Um, we're also varied in our experiences and and then i would like to encourage like if there are any adoptive parents listening i would encourage them to just you know get in touch with other adoptive parents you don't have to be alone either you know and and so many people out there want to try and and, and be helpful and be helpful so yeah, that's that's really Good, what yeah. I want. Everybody to see the superhero in them, you know? <laughs> Would you like to call the um, episode that? Sure. Sure, that sounds great. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, we have to be our own superhero. And, and the sooner we see that, the the better. I think that can be not always, but that can be one of the benefits of an intact family that's healthy is they're able to, from a healthy space, help their child see that and believe that. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Thank you very much, um, Amanda. And I, I would uh, echo uh, Amanda's comments about community uh, and clearly fireside adoptees. I'm doing, I'm going to be on one of their um, chats uh, next month i think um they um they what really strikes me is about them is that this isn't just a cyberspace thing um that they they kind of they, they know each other right it's got depth uh, um. it's got depth it's got proper human connection um and a and a, and a big and a, a, a very thought out considerate team behind them um so it, it it's got a lot more soul and warmth and acceptance i mean that that's what strikes me as uh, from the from the group and it's a bit it's a bit like a, amanda was talking about moving from utah to pennsylvania um and it's it's a bit like going from elementary school to high school or what we call primary school to, to secondary school in, in the UK, or the same as going from a village to a city. Everybody seems to be nicer in smaller groups or get nastier in larger ones. You know, it's something mm -hmm. it, it, we can be, if we're lost in the crowd and um, our behavior is a behavior can, we can get away with, the human race gets away with behavior that it would never get get away with in a small group. You know, I'm thinking about football hooligans and things like that. No, when it's anonymous. That's, yeah, that's true. It's it's easy, especially when there's anonymity. You know, um, versus when you know, like you have more of that smaller human connections. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, we become real to each other, even though we obviously are real. But you, more and more dimensions are added, and yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. 
thanks a lot Amanda thank you um listeners and uh yeah I'm just I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that thing in about the the, you know, the feelings being an inside job uh, I realize it was a bit of a rabbit hole um but there's if you listen back to that there's some actually real um uh, gems in there as adults kids find this super easy but adults find it really really difficult um but feelings are an uh, an inside job and and we're not choosing them most of the time you know so this thing that Mm -hmm. amanda says about being accepting our anger not beating ourselves up because of our negative emotions i think is um, is huge and as is realizing that they they do come from us not to us nobody can make us feel anyway so thanks a lot Mm -hmm. amanda and um, thank you listeners we'll speak to you again very soon thanks bye-bye